Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, the crazy game of college football got even crazier with all the hirings and departures of uh, a bunch of coaches. We'll talk about that with Matt Baker, our college football writer. Matt, I've never seen a weekend quite like this when you talk about guys bailing, guys coming, guys leaving. And um, the first sort of domino to fall was the one we were waiting on, which was Billy Napier uh, coming from the Sun Belt, of course, Louisiana, to the University of Florida. Get your thoughts on that hire. But then, man, shortly after that, it's uh, Lincoln Riley to USC and Brian Kelly to LSU, and we got so much to dive into. But let's start with what we what we don't think was a big surprise hiring. In other words, you predicted this in some respects. We've talked about him. Um, he seemed to be the guy that Scott Strickland had focused in on. So what about Billy Napier and, and Florida? Yeah, so you're right. Let's start there. Um, it was not a surprise at all. Um, very early in the search, Napier was the name that everybody was hearing. There was a little bit of Matt Campbell talk, but really it was it was Napier, Napier, Napier. And to the point where when um, Sports Illustrated and Football Scoop Saturday, right around game time, maybe a little bit into the game, both reported that Billy Napier was coming to Florida, or the expectation was, was that Napier was going to go to the Gators. I'm like, yeah. That that's that's been the expectation for 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 several days now. Um, I'm not not belittling their reporting because I'm I, I'm can guess how that all unfolded and what how, why they were saying that. But it was I say that just to say this had been in the works for a while. It was pretty clear it was going to happen. Um, so let's talk about Napier. He is an up and coming guy. He is a 42 year old uh, raised in Georgia. Um, so he's kind of grown up in this footprint. Uh, he's worked for Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. He worked for Nick Saban at Alabama, and just in what I've come to know about him and listening to him on the Sunbelt Conference Championship game Zoom the other day, he sounds a lot like Saban. I mean, you can tell, like, they, they use slightly different terms. You know, uh, Nick Saban's thing is the process, right? And that's this whole all-encompassing, top-down, one voice, everything is rowing in the same direction. Uh, Napier calls it the journey, but it's the same principle. Um, and then just... Some of the phrases he used, the the general ideas that he said that I was like, oh, that's completely out of Nick Saban's mouth. Um, just the guy saying it looks different and sounds a little bit different. So that's something that the Gators are going to get. Um, they're getting a, uh, I think he's a, a good play caller. I don't know that he's like this, doing this extreme, extremely innovative stuff like Jamie Chadwell is doing at Coastal Carolina. It's, it's not that. Um, but they're getting somebody who can build an offensive line. Um, somebody who can really... I hate the term culture, but he can build a culture, right? Um, he sabinized Louisiana Lafayette, and that was the test of can you do this at a different level? And he passed it. So now he's going to try to take that, the, the, those kind of principles that he watched Saban do at Bama and did himself at Louisiana and bring them to Gainesville to kind of uh, revolutionize and to some degree modernize the Gators and, uh, you know, if it's successful, have them uh, winning championships. It's really interesting. I mean, his background, and of course, you know, it hasn't hurt Kirby Smart at Georgia to save and eyes uh, the Bulldogs. I mean, there they sit, the number one team in the country, and play Alabama 
in the SEC title game. But um, we'll, we'll start talking about this now because obviously bigger names were out there that were looking to move, and they didn't move to Florida. Uh, Lincoln Riley to USC, Brian Kelly to LSU. So Florida gets a sort of a rising star in Billy Napier, but not not the name brand that those other two schools uh, received. But that's not a problem. Uh, obviously, this is the way Strickland wanted to go. He wants to build a culture. And you think this is probably better for where Florida is right now than maybe going that other route. I, I kind of do. Um, first of all, I need to do a mea culpa here. Um, you said last week, if I recall correctly, something about uh, Florida not looking at bigger names or this University of Florida, they should be able to poach the bigger fish. And I said, nobody poaches big fish right now. That was clearly <laughs> incorrect. Um, yeah, well, if you got a, enough bait, you can you can get any big fish. If you throw that, <laughs> the kind well, of cash we're talking about. Yeah, this is true. I mean, Brian Kelly's 10 years, 95 million, but I believe I saw Ooh. that he gets half a million dollars for making a bowl game every year. So <laughs> you figure LSU is going to do that every year. So it's really 10 years, 100 million. So just absurd. Yeah. When, when, when the story, just real fast, when I saw that figure on Twitter, it hadn't been confirmed yet, but some, somebody credible was saying it. Uh, my wife right. and I were getting ready for bed, and I, t- I tell her that as she's brushing her teeth, and she just starts laughing. Just like, what are what are we doing here? What are they doing? And I was like, eh, just the way it is, honey. And you know, right before bed is not the time to have this conversation. But um, it's it's absurd. Um, but college football, I think, to some degree, has changed where there are going to be maybe more of those in the past because they hadn't happened. You know, the last move that really kind of comes close to Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly here was when Jimbo left FSU for Texas A and M. Um, the difference is that Brian Kelly just made the playoff. Lincoln Riley uh, has, has won four Big 12s, and like OU's not. They, they were slightly down this year, but the arrow isn't pointing down at OU the way it was Jimbo at Florida State. So this is just a very weird, I don't want to call it unprecedented, but it hasn't happened a lot. Um, back to actually Billy Napier. Um, I think he fits what Florida needs. They need somebody who is... Look, Florida's culture is not working. Right, it's not. Right. Um, the, the program as a whole, uh, that, that's why you're seeing what has happened, where the last three coaches have all had flashes of success, but then it flames out spectacularly, where mm-hmm. a bad season isn't eight and four. A bad season is six and six and getting killed by South Carolina. So something is not right. Um, I think something is in the building. I think something is the buildings themselves, where mm-hmm. they're behind in the infrastructure um, they're catching up, mm. when, and when that eighty-five million dollar palace opens here next year, that's going to you know that's going to help. But you know, I don't think they have the analysts that that. I mean, I know they don't have the analysts and, and the support staff that Georgia and Alabama do. And for a long mm. time, Florida has said well, we we don't need that. We're Florida, just like Steve Spurrier. We don't we don't need those 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 fancy buildings and all that stuff. We'll get our recruits our way, and we're going to win our way. Well, Steve Spurrier's way was a long time ago by college football yeah. standards. And mm-hmm. Florida needs to change it. And Billy Napier is a guy who's going to do that. Um, he, he's, he, has a, he has his way. And it's a very close copy of the Nick Saban way. And he has shown that it can work. And I think Florida is ready. And look, they wouldn't have hired him and identified him so quickly if they didn't realize that they wanted to do this and they're ready to do it. And Napier, to his credit, was picky about his next job. He could have probably had the South Carolina job, maybe the Auburn job, Arkansas jobs in the past. But he wanted to go somewhere that 
could do what he thinks needs to be done to win at the high level. And Florida apparently checked those boxes. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So I think Florida is ready for Napier. I think Napier is ready for Florida. And there's a chance that it works. Now, look, if I had to pick which of the three coaches is going to have the best run, I would say Lincoln Riley at USC. I think he's an offensive genius. He's going to recruit his tail off out there. I think he's going to do really good things. But I don't know that he would have been the right fit for Florida. Just like I don't know that Brian Kelly would have either. Um, I think, you know, and we'll see. These things are a complete crapshoot. Nobody has any idea how it works. You know, Jimbo was this huge get for Texas A&M. What do you go? Seven, eight and four, seven and five. A one loss team that, you know, finished fourth in the country, won the Orange Bowl. Way to go. And eight and four. Like, he hasn't been a world beater. He beat Alabama once, and he's got a really good recruiting class that makes you think he can do it. But so far, he hasn't been, like, fantastic. No, you're right. He hasn't brought the SEC uh, title to them, that's for sure. And that, that's what you hire a guy like that to do and to spend that kind of money. Napier, now, you, whenever there's a coaching change, sometimes, you know, not sometimes, but, but most of the time, there's a bunch of departures, right? Uh, guys enter the transfer portals. Have we heard anything about uh, about the quarterbacks, about any big players? What what happens to recruiting? Um, could this be a, a, a hindrance or an asset right now that they've they've made this switch? So they have had a, lost a couple guys to the portal. Um, one of their better promising uh, offensive linemen, um, Anthony Richardson, of course, the, the budding star at quarterback, tweeted uh, yesterday, or I guess yesterday's we're recording, so it was on Tuesday. Uh, scared money don't make money which is a mm. Billy Napier phrase that you're going to hear a lot, just talking about his uh, – it's his version of no risk it, no biscuit. I think Tampa yeah, Bay fans yeah, right. are, are familiar with that. Um, so it looks like you know Richardson's bought in some of the other players. I've seen that as well. It will mm. be very interesting to see how the next couple weeks work. Um, one of the reasons the coaching cycle is crazy right now, and there's a lot of reasons. I mean, <laughs> 100 million reasons, right? Um, mm -hmm. But one of the reasons it's so crazy is the early signing period. Um, I mean, it's, as we record this on Wednesday, it's in two weeks It is early signing day, where roughly 80% of the high school recruits who are going to sign, sign on December 15th, or in that December 15th to 17th window. So that does not give new coaches much time at all to see, okay, who are the commits that, that this school that I'm going to has? Can they all play for me? Do I want all of them? Uh, you know, obvious example, maybe there's a tight end committed and I don't use tight ends. This guy can't play for me. I don't want him. That, that type of stuff. And then who are the other guys that are uncommitted that I need to get? Um, was there anybody that I was recruiting at my last stop that could play for this team? Obviously with, with uh, uh, Lincoln Riley and, and USC, I would imagine a lot of the guys that he had recruited or was recruiting to Oklahoma could play for him at USC. A little different with Napier going from Louisiana to, to, to the Gators. So there's a lot of moving parts here in the next couple weeks. And that's one reason why this, this carousel has sped up where you're trying to get the uh, recruiting class situated, but also with the portal, anybody can leave at any time. So you need mm -hmm. to know as quickly as possible, let those new players know who their guy is and they can figure out, is this guy for me or is it not? As opposed to kind of waiting in uncertainty and, and trying to figure out their next move, next move. So it is just a, it's a whirlwind and we haven't seen everything that has fallen out from it yet or will fall out from it yet. Is it Napier, I mean, just to give, you know, sort of an idea of what, what his side of the ball is, um, 
you know, what, what's going to be his instant impact? I mean, is, it, it, you think he'll eventually become a Saban-like CEO-type coach, or will he be hands-on, play-calling, um, more of that vein? Yeah, he, he, he did a lot of play-calling um, on offense at Louisiana Lafayette. I don't yet know whether that's going to continue when he gets to mm. Florida. Um, but I envision him more as a top-down CEO guy. Yeah, not, not to yeah. say he can't coach, you know, coach up the tight ends or receivers or whatever, um, because, because right. he can, and he's done that in his past, but I think his, he was brought there not to be, to, not to figure out what to call on third and three. He was gotcha. brought there to figure out what is everything that we need to do to be successful so that when it's time for third and three, we're in the best <laughs> position possible. If that right. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, and look, Florida has not, done that before and what i mean by that is they've hired two saban guides in the past um, when i was in atlanta in, in january of 2018 for the uh, georgia bama national championship game the story i wrote leading up to the game was florida's over two with saban guys one of their biggest rivals florida state won a national championship with the saban mm. georgia was playing for the national championship that game that year and came a second and 26 away from beating bama to to win the, the national title under a Saban guy in Kirby Smart. Why did it work there and not at Florida? And there are a lot of reasons why. Um, some of them, I think, you know, Florida's in position here, and some of them I have more questions. But th the big thing is just he's brought in to install the Saban culture that, Mackel that Muschamp could not or didn't want to. McElwain, I think, tried, but was fighting an uphill battle. I mean, here's the thing that I go back to: Jim McElwain pushed for this indoor or for this uh, standalone football complex that was built under Mullen and will open under a new coach. That's how long this process took. It doesn't work like that at Georgia or LSU. Things happen faster because everybody's bought in, and I think Napier was uh, came to Florida to get everybody to buy in, to have everybody from the fans, the boosters, the quarterbacks, the third string linebackers a thousand billion support staff rowing the same direction all toward the same goal with these same principles. Well, speaking of principles, there's a good uh, segue to jump to Brian Kelly and LSU. <laughs> and this is, the, this is the biggest, uh, you know, uh, red light flashing that says, okay, folks, college football is now officially broken. If you suspected it, now we have evidence of it. Let's stop pretending because, when Brian Kelly is at a school of Notre Dame, right, which is this virtuous uh, academic institution that has standards and on and on, and his team is actively, currently, right now, uh, in the in very much in the hunt for a national championship, and and could well make the playoffs, depending on what happens these next 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 week or so. He decides to just go to LSU and not and listen. There, there's a hundred million reasons why he did it. I understand that part of it. But basically, it comes out in the media before he had coaches in, in players' living rooms recruiting them to Notre Dame while he is actually, the news is breaking about this deal. And then when he makes it back to South Bend, he spends what was reported like two and a half minutes telling his players what they already knew. Um, where are we at with this sport? When, when you're in, I mean, the whole, the whole purpose is to win a national championship. It's like, hey, fellas, good luck in the, in the games. Uh, I'm gone. <laughs> It's absurd. It is absolutely absurd. Um, the only 
Look, when we were talking about the idea of Billy Napier coming to Florida, one of the questions I had was, was time. And I actually had a bet with Mark Long from the Associated Press on this. Um, because teams, coaches, excuse me, coaches do not leave teams before the end of their season. And or I should say before their last meaningful game. And, and by meaningful game, I mean the end of the regular season. Um, mm-hmm. Or if they go to the conference championship game, that. Or if they go to the playoffs. That's typically how it works. I mean, even most assistants who are hired as head coaches elsewhere, most of them right now are staying with their current job through the, the playoff or until their team loses um, to try to win a national championship. It doesn't happen all the time, but that's generally the expected thing right now. Jeff Scott did it at, at, when he was going for Clemson at USF, and, and uh, Kirby did it with Bama and Georgia and so on. This is just so outrageous. Because, yeah, it's not crazy to think that Notre Dame can get to the playoff. There are scenarios where it happens. Uh, if, if Bama gets killed, then, then they're out. If Iowa upsets Michigan, then, then Michigan's probably not as in compared to Notre Dame. Baylor has a legitimate chance against Oklahoma State. So there are scenarios where Notre Dame has a chance to move up from, I, I think they were sixth, into that top four. And for him to just say, see ya, I, the only example that comes to mind is when Jimbo left Florida state um, for Texas A&M because they, he left the day before their regular season finale, which was against Louisiana Monroe. Remember it was rescheduled because of hurricane Irma. They tacked it on to the end of the season. So FSU could get the sixth win and, and go to a bowl game to keep that, that streak intact. That's the only thing that comes to mind. That is, that is like this. There, you know, there have been assistants that left, you know, Joey McGuire went from an assistant coach at Baylor to be the head coach at Texas tech. Um, I think there was like a, an interim coach at Southern Miss or something. So there's a couple examples. But for a sitting head coach to do this move, it, it's very, very rare. And again, the question is why. And the only, obviously there's, there's money, but the money could, would have been there. The only thing I can think of is that either Brian Kelly didn't think his Notre Dame team could go to the playoff or – he didn't think that his team had a legitimate chance of winning, in which case, you know what? I don't want to go get my tail beat by Georgia 30 to 10 and miss out on all that time at LSU. And then I think the early signing period and, and the transfer portal, that those factors combined make it so if you wait an extra, what are we talking, one, two, three, four, five days, something like that, those five days can be the difference between you getting that four star from. Uh, Baton Rouge or, or New Orleans or uh, Houston, or are you not getting that four star from Houston? It's the difference between you keeping that player from the portal or that, that player going in and him deciding it's more important for me to, to work on that new job rather than this, this you know, 30% chance, whatever it is, uh, of, of going to the playoff of my current one. And it's, it's not good. It's not good for, for college football at all. Uh, I feel bad for the players. You know, I feel bad for the players at Louisiana Lafayette. Um, look, Billy, Billy Napier, I think, did this the right way, as good of the right way as you can do it. He accepted a job. It was announced, but then said, I'm not leaving my team. I'm not doing a news conference. I am focused yeah. on Louisiana Lafayette. And after that game, I'll go to Florida and we'll do a lot of the Florida stuff. Now, he's still making phone call, recruiting calls, that sort of thing now. Um, so basically instead of spending his evenings recruiting for Louisiana, he's, he's spending his evenings recruiting at Florida. That I think is perfectly reasonable, but I do feel bad for the Louisiana players who have had this hanging around. And I feel terrible for the Notre Dame players who, you know, 
this this move kind of comes out of left field, it seems, and they still are thinking they have a shot at a playoff, and their coach says, no, nah, I'm done. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, it certainly doesn't instill confidence in what what uh, they're to believe about their chances. That's for sure. And I and I I don't know if if you know. Look, the NCAA is you know such a weak organization to begin with. There's really very little uh, that they control. But in as much as they could control uh, periods or or dates when when these sort of things occur, transfer portals and re, you know early signing and stuff like that. If you could push it back beyond uh, the end of the of at least the conference championships. I mean that. That might be a start, but I, um, I, I think this is you know, whatever illusions anybody still had, and I can't imagine they do, uh, that this is not big time professional sports, folks. This is all this is, right? When you see the kind of salaries that these play, these coaches are making, when they can leap from program to program, and we want to say, you know, to college kids, oh, but you get a scholarship, um, it, it's enough already. Okay, this this is big time pro sports, and. Um, and they've proven that over and over again to us. And then the money, I mean, when I saw what Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley not only is getting paid, but then they give him a $6 million house in California. They pay uh, hold, off hold his on, house. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's a, there's a viral tweet going around. I'm not, I don't know how true that is. There, you don't think that's, it's true? That's, that's one of the things that's ridiculous about all this. Can I go down, can I go down a, a rabbit hole really fast? You can. <laughs> <laughs> Great, you're not going to stop me anyway. Um, no. So, look, college football is ridiculous. That's part of why we love it. Um, there was some tweet by some like energy writer said, I, "I'm not confirmed, but here's all the stuff USC has given Lincoln Riley, and it turned okay. out that is at least partially That's inaccurate, if not wholly debunked. inaccurate." Okay. Um, but my favorite part here is, um, you know, to spin this forward, Oklahoma is looking for a new coach, and one of the names that is probably going to be high on their list is Brent Venables. He's the defensive coordinator at Clemson, was the DC at Oklahoma under Bob Stoops for a long time. So, but he is still at Clemson as of we recording this. And somebody in at the high school in Hayes, Kansas, the vice principal there, tweeted a picture of him, uh, Dabo, Brent Venables, some coach or what have you, uh, at like twelve forty-five on Tuesday. Oklahoma sleuths online were enlarging Brent Venables' watch and enhancing it to see what time it said, because his watch said 2 o'clock, and the picture was posted at 12.45. What's going on here? Was this a Photoshop? Uh, is this an old picture? Is this picture from last year? Just jumping to ridiculous conclusions, trying to figure out what this means. And I don't know if maybe his watch was broken. Maybe he was still on Eastern time and just set it ahead. Like, that's how ridiculous this sport is to the point where you got internet sleuths trying to enhance a watch and some guy saying things that are not entirely true about Lincoln Riley's contract. Anyway, I interrupted you. Go on. That's okay. No, I'm, I, I, I'm done. I just, I just think that, you know, we, we've gotten, we've gotten to the point that, um, 
I don't know that we've hit rock bottom just yet. I don't know what I don't know what's next for this sport. It's a, it's a great sport. We all love it. Um, the players are getting kind of you know caught in the middle as they usually do in these things. Um, it would be a great story if the Notre Dame players somehow find them find themselves in the national championship picture and win, um, which would be ironic. But you know, it's it, as as somebody who's been on you know in a very minor way on the other side of this. When you when you pledge to a school and and you have a coaching staff um, and you feel comfortable with them because they've recruited you and then you know it, it, you don't none of us would would probably not take the hundred million dollars. It's not about that, but it's there is a there seems to be a way to do it and a way not to. And I think we've seen examples of both. And boy, um, good luck to Brian Kelly at LSU. I mean, uh, I think he'll probably be successful there. But uh, boy, I, I just think it. It was a it was a bad weekend in that sense for college football anyway. But we have a great weekend for college football on the field, uh, and that's the conference championships. And look, they're going to have such an impact on who is in the Final Four. I mean, we can talk about last week's games and Michigan's big win over Ohio State, which I watched was fantastic for the Jim Harbaugh's to finally uh, get over that that proverbial hump. But Georgia, let's start with Georgia, Alabama. Alabama beats Georgia. Alabama's still in this thing, right? I mean, they're they're absolutely going to be one of the top four teams, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I would certainly think so. Um, first of all, good on you for watching Michigan, Ohio State, and not Florida, Florida State, which was one of the worst. No, I, I read your tweets. I heard that game was awful. Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> awful. It, it 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 was it was laughably bad, and yeah. you know, I, I went, I got home in time to watch a good amount of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State that night. Where, I mean, it's, it was Bedlam, exactly what you'd expect. I've, I've covered that game before. I, it, mm-hmm. It's Bedlam. Um, but at least that was played at a high level, whereas right. Florida, Florida State was just a lot of mistakes with, right. uh, it w- and, and breakdowns that led to scores rather than some high-level football with some, some silly stuff, too. Um, yes, Alabama absolutely has a chance to beat Georgia. Uh, I'm not saying that they're going to, um, but Alabama has a ton of talent. And Georgia has not gotten over that, that Bama hump under, under Kirby. And I, I think, you know, Georgia has, you know, I've, I've been clear. I think they're the best team. Uh, for, I've said that for a long time. Had them number one on my preseason ballot. I think they're going to win it all. But they also haven't been tested. Alabama has. So maybe there's a situation. I'm, I'm kind of grasping at straws here. But maybe there's a situation where it ends up, you know, there's uh, Bama gets some turnover luck and, uh, Georgia has a rare breakdown on defense and it, it goes into the fourth quarter, a really close game and Alabama knows what to do. And, and, and Georgia doesn't cause they haven't been in that situation. So, you know, maybe I do think there's a chance that they win. And, and if they do, then yeah, Bama's in the playoff. And I think a, a one loss Georgia with how dominant they've been this year, I think they would be in it as, in it as well. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that's going to be the case. Yeah. There's another, of course, uh, conference championship games all over the place. Houston, Cincinnati. Um, what does Cincinnati have to do? One more chance to convince the committee that they belong. I think if they win, they're in. I, okay. I don't know that to be true because what if Oklahoma? You know, what if Bama hangs in? You know, loses by yeah. a last-second field goal, and okay. what if Oklahoma State thumps Baylor? Right. So like, mm-hmm. and 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 Michigan destroys Iowa. So there's. Maybe there's scenarios where they're shaky, but I think that they're in as long as they win. It would certainly mm-hmm. behoove them, though, to look really, really good in beating Houston, um, beat them handily. Yeah. You know, Houston's a Houston's a good team. They've got one of the best returners in the country. Their defense is, has been pretty strong. 
Um, so I, I would certainly consider that a quality win if they're able to, to pull it off. And so I, I, I think they've got a really good chance, but I, I, I'm still not a thousand percent sold. Yeah. Baylor and Oklahoma State, of course, you just mentioned it. They beat Oklahoma in Bedlam, and uh, it was that in that game. Oklahoma State's path to the national championship uh, playoffs is what? Win and have Bama lose by two scores, mm. something like that. Yeah. And maybe, maybe a one-loss Oklahoma State team would, would jump ahead of a two-loss Bama no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. But if Oklahoma State wins especially if it's by a couple scores or, or convincingly mm-hmm. they've got a puncher's chance. They would only need really Bama to lose or Cincinnati to lose. I would think. So I'm sure you saw at least the highlights. I know you're covering Florida, Florida state, the Michigan and Ohio state game, but um, Michigan did it in a, in their own way. I mean, they physically dominated at times uh, up front on both sides of the ball. They play an Iowa team that's kind of been all over the map. They were ranked number two at one point. Uh, in the season, it would be maybe the most Michigan thing ever to get tripped up in this game. But do you think that the Wolverines continue on and and, and uh, rank number two right now in the college football playoffs? So, uh, what do you make of this Big Ten matchup? Yeah, Iowa is not should not be good enough to beat Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Iowa what did get up to two in the country or whatever it was, but they had a ton of turnover luck to make it happen. Again, I mm-hmm. think. I think turnovers, some to, to some degree, you force them, you can rip the ball out. But sure. when the ball's on the ground, 50-50 chance I get it, you get it. So I, I, I'm very much a turnovers are a lot of luck. And, and Iowa's mm-hmm. turnover luck, when they looked really good, was simply not sustainable. And they right. fell, and, and that's why they're in this position at, at 10-2 and two and not in the playoff mix. So I guess the, the scenario for Iowa beating Michigan is to get some of that turnover luck back right. and have Michigan implode the way that Jim Harbaugh teams often have in his Michigan tenure. Um, that's kind of the scenario, but do I think it'll happen? No, I don't. I mean, uh, Michigan's got really good backs and their defense is legit. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson, he was a guy that I don't know that he was, I don't have like a top five Heisman list right now. I'm going to worry about that on Monday, but I can tell you that, he is somebody that was kind of on the fringe of, I, you know, he, he's somebody I'll look at. To now he's somebody that I'm going to give a whole lot of consideration to having on my Heisman ballot, if not number one, based in, in wow. no small part due to how much he dominated Ohio State. Yeah, he absolutely did. That that certainly was would be a worthy choice. And then uh, we've got, of course, all the games this weekend will, will help determine who's going to be in the national championship picture. Um, you're not necessarily uh, uh, a Las Vegas insider. We're not trying to, to cover point spreads and things like this. But if you if you had to put on your uh, your your crystal ball or look at your crystal ball there in front of you, um, who do you see after after this weekend of reaching the Final Four? Yeah, Georgia's in, Michigan, Cincinnati, and I guess Oklahoma State. I don't feel good about it because um, mm-hmm. I, I think Baylor's pretty strong. Oklahoma State, they're such a weird team. It's not like they have an elite quarterback the way that like you know, they've had in the past with Brandon Whedon. Zach Robinson was really good with them for a while. Um, mm-hmm. They don't have like a, a, a um, Chuba Hubbard. They don't have a bunch of stars. They're just really solid all over the place. Um, 
so I'm still not a thousand percent sold and Baylor I think is pretty good, but if I had to pick of the fourth, yeah, I think it's Oklahoma state. And so then you think, you think Georgia will take care of Alabama in this game, even though my goodness, we didn't even talk, we didn't talk about this, but you want to talk about finishes to games. How about the Alabama Auburn iron bowl? My goodness. (laughs) That was unbelievable. I was listening to to that on the radio, uh, driving back. And of course I, I saw the highlights later. Um, the Iron Bowl is just nuts. It, it's in, and that was a fantastic finish. And you know, Auburn should have gone for two there at the end of the first overtime. There's no reason not to, um, especially when Auburn's quarterback was banged up. And I mean, really, their backup quarterback was banged up. So yeah, that was that was silly on Auburn's part. But yeah, what a finish! That was fantastic. He's Matt Baker, and of course, uh, he'll be uh, watching closely all these conference championship games as we uh, head to the national championship final four. Man, this is this college football. I know it doesn't go fast when you're in it because you're working every day and you're doing what you do and coming <laughs> on here. But but I can't believe we reached this point already that it's December. We've we've flipped the calendar, and um, now we have you know the most meaningful, I guess, weekend of the college football season. So it's unbelievable, man. It, it, it is unbelievable. Um, it, it's, it goes slow, and it also flies at the same time. Um, I, I can tell, though, that uh, my, my stress level has, has decreased uh, with the coaching search over and the regular season yes. over. My, my, my kid has noticed that daddy's not stressed all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, hey, what, one more really fast to get out on. Yeah, um, absolutely. The, the, the biggest game, of course, um, Appalachian State, Louisiana. Billy Napier, he has one more game with, with the Rage mm-hmm. Occasions. Mm-hmm. So a couple things, you know, I, I'm not going to blame a Florida fan if he'd rather or, or she would rather watch Georgia Bama. But if you want a sneak peek at what Billy Napier is going to do, watch how they are along the, the lines. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Florida has not always been great the last few years along the lines, um, but he's got a tough physical offensive and defensive lines. Um, look at that offense with, with, with Levi Lewis, their quarterback. Um, and you know, they've always had really good running backs there. Um, at, at ULL under 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 Napier, and then just kind of get a feel for how he manages a game to figure out whether this is somebody you think you're going to like or somebody you're going to be cursing at every Saturday because it's going to be one or the other. Um, he's like I said, he's the uh, uh, scared money don't make money, so he's going to gamble on fourth down, and sometimes it's going to work, in which case he looks like a genius. And then there's going to be times where you watch and you're like, why did you go for it on fourth and five there instead of taking the field goal to make it a one score game? So might as well get a little bit of a jump start now to figure out what he's going to be like and how you're going to feel about it, uh, Florida fans. Well, as a Arkansas State alum, we're happy to see him leave the Sun Belt, but my 2-10 and ten Red Wolves need to restart <laughs> themselves. So what can I tell well, you? Yeah, but Billy, Billy Napier did, a, did an unbelievable job. He, I, think he's, I think he's a really good sound choice for them. I think it makes sense. Um, you know, give him, give him a little bit of time. Let's see what he can do. And um, in the end, maybe that'll be a better hire than Brian Kelly or, or even Lee and Riley at USC. I mean, that's the great thing about college football. You don't know how this is all going to turn out. But we know you turn out every week to talk college football with us on the podcast. We appreciate it, Matt Baker. Thanks so much. Enjoy the games. Sure. Thank you. All right. Before we get out of here real quickly, uh, no surprise, uh, Leonard for TDs Fournette uh, has made the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. And that's a uh, pretty unanimous choice, I think. Uh, not many players score that many touchdowns. So Jonathan Taylor, the guy he played against the week before, score five in the AFC. So a career high for Leonard Fournette, um, as he's now known, of course. Playoff Lenny Lombardi, Lenny, all of that. We might have a chance to talk to him again this week. We'll see. 
Uh, and then the Rays made a move. They traded Joey Wendell to the the Marlins, and it, this was one that I think probably was – well, I know it was emotional on both sides. I mean, Joey Wendell, they, they squeezed every drop out of Joey Wendell, just a great ball player, a guy that can play all those positions, Steve. He, he uh, had his best year. He was an all-star. I think you, you label this under we've got some guys that, you know coming up that, that we need to clear space for them to have the opportunity to play – and this is the the prototypical, you know, uh, uh, buy low, sell high. Joey Wendell's value probably could not be any higher than it is right now. Yeah, I mean, you know what? He was up for the Gold Glove. He's can play anywhere. But yeah, the Rays have some young infielders they need to to bring up. Vidal Brujan, Taylor Walls needs a spot permanently, and yeah. they also had to add Corey Kluber to the forty man roster before the tender deadline of eight o'clock on Tuesday night. So they had to clear a roster space. So they trade Joey Wendell for an outfield prospect, Cameron Meisner or Misner. I'm not sure how to pronounce mm-hmm. the game name. He was a what first round draft pick two years ago. Uh, made yeah. it to to Double A last year, but uh, seems like a really good prospect. Like they got g- really good value back. It, it sure seems like for for Joey Wendell, which you would expect, uh, knowing yeah. how versatile he is. But uh, I, I think for Rays fans, you know, he's another one of those fan favorites. Um, oh yeah just always has been i'll miss you know seeing the no batting gloves um yep. you know just he never i, I don't I, you know i guess you can stereotype things but he never looked like a ball player up there but boy is he a good ball player yeah and he could do a little bit uh, uh, really a lot of things very well yes uh, nothing nothing exceptionally well but even if you needed uh, a home run he would surprise you with his mm-hmm. power and Oh, how I wish they'd have played him at third base in the postseason, well. <laughs> uh, late in late innings instead of Diaz. But now that won't even be an option for him. So uh, more on that. They also picked up the option. Speaking of that, of Tyler Glass. Now he's not going to pitch next year. We know that coming off Tommy John, five million dollars. But it looks like that they're investing in his future. Well, they, they've they've tendered him a contract, so he didn't become a free agent. Uh, that doesn't mean they're not going to trade him. Uh, okay. But in order to keep him on the roster. If you didn't tender a contract because he's in his arbitration years, if you didn't tender gotcha. tender him before eight o'clock on Tuesday night, he would have become a free agent. And you didn't, you didn't, you definitely want to either either you're keeping him and you're going to pay him about twelve million dollars for one year of play in twenty twenty three, or you're you know you tender him a contract now so that you have the ability to trade him. You didn't want to just lose him straight out. So I don't I don't gotcha. think we know what the answer to what that their will plans be. are. Yeah. yeah, and Joey and uh, G Man Choi signed a contract before uh, they had to tender him a contract for arbitration, three point two million for a year. Very popular G Man Choi resigning, absolutely. So, all right, well we have uh, all of that, and of course we'll uh, get you ready for the Bucks and the Atlanta Falcons. They uh, play in Atlanta on Sunday. That game is at one o'clock. We'll be talking, of course, all week long to uh, Bucks coaches, the coordinators. Tom Brady, maybe Antonio Brown is back this week, so we'll keep you updated. Check out TampaBay.com for all the latest on that. For Steve Versnick, my thanks to Matt Baker. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.